You're listening to the Living Word Church Podcast. To learn more about Living Word Church and our service times, visit us online at livingwordli.org. Today's message comes from our lead pastor, Doug Jansen. So Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year, right? Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year until it isn't, right? Sometimes it's not. I remember Kelly and my first Christmas here in the, you know, as a married couple, we were in our apartment, and as we're sitting there in the apartment, oh, thank you very much, my water. All right, as we're sitting there in the apartment, we're all excited about Christmas. We go to spend time with families throughout the day, and then we come back home, and we're just expecting a chill, nice, romantic evening, and Kelly comes out of the bathroom and says, the toilet is overflowing everywhere. And so my nice, romantic Christmas was now spent with my dad around the toilet, trying to put a new gasket, new wax ring in there, so the toilet would stop leaking. Um, fast forward a few years, my firstborn son, uh, Cade, is with us. He's about eight months old, and as we are driving to a family occasion, this guy in front of us is going this way this way along 347. 347 doesn't go this way, but we're going this way. Everyone else is going this way. This man's going this way. So I veer right, I veer left, and then we hit the man going this way. Kelly had twice-baked potatoes on her lap, became mashed potatoes very quickly. Every time I see twice-baked potatoes to this point, I veer right and veer left. Doesn't matter where I am or what's going on. That's the response I have. Um, A few years later, stomach virus hits me. You know that feeling when you're walking through your day. It's like early Christmas morning. I'm out at a store and all of a sudden I just get this understanding. I will be throwing up today. You know when that hits you and you just start to go, okay, this is what life's going to be like. And so I walk through the store. I go home. Actually, I didn't walk through the store. I was like, I'm out. I I drove home as quick as I could and spent the entire day throwing up. I said, family, still go. Have fun. You don't need to be by me. So they went out, you know, and spent time with other family. And there I was watching Christopher Nolan movies all day throwing up. Um, Fast forward a few more years to this Christmas, and we've got um, Christmas shopping on. We've got some time spent in the mall around Christmas time, which you know is always the most wonderful thing. And so I have my youngest with me, Landon, and I have my daughter, Brynn, and Brynn is very excited about going to the mall. She's very excited about shopping and dresses and all that good stuff. And Landon, not so much. And so I have a, a few pictures for you. Here's one of Landon's pictures, sort of little agonized there, you can see. Uh, I have another picture here for you. We're in another store, and uh, he's just sort of like, all right, dad, enough's enough. Like this, none of this was staged. This was me catching him in the moment, making these faces and taking my camera real quick. Then he decided I got to just get a whole new perspective on all this as he kind of gets down there. And here's a little selfie with me and him, which you can see he was so excited about taking this one with me. And so Christmas is the best till it's not. Last year on this date, I am taken by ambulance to the hospital and would spend the next 63 days fighting for my life. Christmas is a wonderful time of year until it's not. Until it's what? Until it's stressful. Until it's anxiety-ridden. Until it's a troubling time. You know, the last 20 months have been stress-filled, fearful, a troubling time. This isn't just a Christmas problem. This is a life problem. This is a all of us at all times walking through some really troubling stuff. I love what Andrew said at the end of the worship set today. Everybody's not necessarily in a great place here today. In fact, as I know many of your stories and I kind of scan the room, I understand there's many of us going through deep sorrow and deep trouble right now. And there's a lot of fear being thrown at us right now. And what happens is we so easily make our fear bigger than our God, don't we sometimes? 
We make our fear bigger than our God. Well, how do we do this? Well, there's a billion ways to do it, right? We, we, we just say words like this. I'm not going to make it through this next season. We've made our fear bigger than our God. We say to ourselves, well, what if he or she breaks up with me? We've made anxiety bigger than our God. Well, what about the stock market and our troubles are bigger than our God? Well, what about my past, present, or future? What about the fact that I'm going to be stuck in fill in the blank, whatever it looks like for you, I'm going to be stuck in fill in the blank forever? What if our country stays divided like it is? What if I'm forgotten or unseen or I miss out on some opportunity? What if this virus continues to spread? There's just a million legitimate fears being thrown at us. And a lot of times what we do is we magnify our fears, don't we? I don't know about you, it's something that I struggle with. And I have this dessert platter here, and around this time of the year, I always make M&M cookies. I know it's very manly, guys. Thank you very much for your support. And so I make M&M cookies. Now, why do I do this? Well, partially because I grew up doing this with my mom. My mom would make M&M cookies every year around Christmas time. And so it's just kind of a cool, fun thing. Another reason I do it because it's an M&M in a cookie and it's amazing. Okay. You can't really go wrong. And so we make these cookies and uh, what we do is, is I'll freeze a bunch of them, but we'll put eight to 10 in here which lasts about 28 seconds, but, but nonetheless, it's in the dessert platter. And so the funny thing I've noticed about this dessert platter here is that this top has this way of magnifying the cookies. So you walk over to the jar and you think, I'm getting that big one in the back, and then you take it off and it's half the size that it was when you were looking at it through the jar. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say that I think what I have here also could very well be maybe like a fear platter. That you and I take our fears and we kind of put them in our minds and, and we kind of put the, the, the lid on, so to speak, and everything gets magnified. All the fears being thrown at us are suddenly a billion times bigger and all the thoughts about our God, listen, are a trillion times smaller. We make our fears bigger than our God so quickly, so easily. Listen, not imagined fears, right? There's real fears. Years ago, I preached a message about fear, and I talked about how most of the fears we have are never going to come true. And after the service, a guy came up to me and said, but what about the ones that do? And I don't remember what I said to him, but I have an answer for you today about the ones who do come true, because I found out a lot about fears that come true. A year ago today, some of my worst fears came true. What are we going to do about the fears in our life? Today, I want to talk with you about Christmas peace. Now, Christmas peace, what is Christmas peace? Well, it's not peace that only works at Christmas. It's peace that we discover in the Christmas story, the very first Christmas story. You see, I think often we think about the first Christmas. We sing about it. We talk about it. We share it with our children. We talk about it with friends. We see it depicted on screens and in books. And we just think, man, Mary and Joseph must have been just soaking up this beautiful time and this amazing thing that was happening. It must have been just so much fun. And they must have been completely at rest knowing that God had them. And man, how like carefree and trouble-free. And we don't think about the truth that what they went through was horrifying that there was trouble all around them, that there were a million reasons for each of them to fear. And so today, as we think of a little bit about their story, I want us to think about the, the terrifying things they walked through, how much fear they had to fight through, the tremendous danger they were in, and the fact that their anxiety could have been, and maybe at times was, through the roof, just like yours and mine is sometimes. 
Here's what I need you to see today. I need you to see that we will be a slave to all the fear that is thrown at us as long as we allow our fear to be bigger than our God. We will be a slave and a prisoner to that fear as long as we continue to put it in the fear platter and let it be magnified out. There's a better way. Listen, Jesus said it himself, in this world there will be trouble. But then he said, I've overcome the world. So how do we get in on that? How do we get in on the peace of a God who has overcome this world? That's what we're going to see here today in some familiar places and then some not so familiar places. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're in the room or you're watching online, man, we are thrilled that you're here with us and we're thrilled that you're watching. And maybe you have tremendous fear, anxiety, stress, or trouble in this season of your life. Maybe you're struggling with some of the things that I'm talking about today. I have great news for you today. We got some Christmas peace. Not just peace that works at Christmas, but peace that's possible because of Christmas. Peace that's all wrapped up in this beautiful Christmas story. And we also need to know the reason we can even have peace, talk about peace, hope for peace, think about peace, is because of who came at Christmas. And so we're going to look in Two familiar Christmas classic verses and then look at a psalm for some encouragement today. Would you guys read with me Luke chapter 1 verse 26. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin. That word's really important. We're going to see why in just a minute. Pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled. Say troubled. She was troubled. Say troubled. At his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. What's Mary's response? Oh, God, thank you so much for you choosing me to be a part of this amazing work that you're doing on planet Earth. Oh, God, I am so at rest at this plan you have. Jesus is coming, and I get to be a part of this huge... That was not, not on her radar. She was troubled because there was this unexpected greeting. Have you ever gotten an unexpected greeting? A few weeks ago, actually this past week, Joe Levante and I were in Walgreens, and I had to pick up some stuff, and my, my daughter had asked for some protein bars. She likes these bars called Quest Bars. I had searched Walgreens. I was in a Walgreens I'm not used to going to, and I couldn't find them. And so I see a worker coming down the aisle. He's got the name tag and everything, and I just said, where can I find some Quest Bars? And he looked at me horrified and said, I don't work here. And then I looked at his name tag and it said AutoZone. <laughs> he had a name tag on. I got that part right. Just the wrong, wrong, wrong store. And so as he's walking by me, still like looking at me horrified, I yelled after him. You can still help me look for the quest bars. You know, like, come on, and more hands the merrier here. And so I, I found the right person eventually. But, but and this guy made it so clear that he was horrified by this unexpected greeting with his cowering stare and his eyes getting as big as saucers and walking by me kind of rudely. Man, can you imagine this unexpected greeting? Mary, an angel, this encounter. I think if you and I were having this encounter with this angel, our heart would be pounding, we'd be sweating, our mind would be racing. It goes on. But he said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be what? Do not be what? Do not be afraid. God's sending a message to Mary. I've got some Christmas peace for you. You know what I think? God's sending you a message today. I've got some Christmas peace for you. I see what you're walking in. I've got some peace for you. 
Do not be afraid, Mary. Listen to what this says. You have found favor with God. This is huge. Can we talk about this for a second? I think so often when we go through terrifying situations, especially situations where God's calling us to something that we feel afraid of, he's calling us to speak out or or say something or stand up or, or do something that will cost us, I think that sometimes, like Mary, we're troubled and we think, what did I do wrong, God? Why are you putting me through this? Why am I walking through this scary season Are you seeing here that the reason Mary's about to walk through a a terrifying season where God's up to something huge through her is because she found what with God? Favor with God. Some of us say, God, am I in trouble? That's why I'm going through this? God, are you upset at me? Are you angry with me? And God's going, no, you found favor with me, and I have a mission for you. That doesn't mean all the fearful things we go through or the things we're afraid of are a mission from God. Some of them are just because we live in a broken world. But there are many things that God calls us to that we might shrink back from normally. And we're going, God, I don't want to. I don't want to. Guys, this happens to me all the time, by the way. I hope you know in my personal life, I am not always just like, Lord, let's go do this. Like There are many times where I'm, if I'm just going to listen to what my, my heart and mind are saying, if I'm just going to listen to my flesh, I'm going, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that, God. There's no part of me that wants to be a part of that mission. But I just wonder what God is calling you and I to because we've found favor with him. We often let the fear of the mission, listen, become bigger than the God of the mission. We take our eyes off of him. We, we put our fears in the fear platter, and it all gets magnified out. But Mary's about to get some details. Look at verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Everybody say David. David. And he will reign forever over Jacob's descendants. Say Jacob. Jacob's descendants forever, his kingdom will never end. That's an incredible mission. God just told Mary, I have a plan. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to be birthed through you, and he will rule and reign forever. And the Israelites, everybody, have been waiting for this Savior for centuries. You know how I just had you say Jacob? That's because Jacob lived 1,700 years before Jesus came. And you said David. David prophesied Jesus would come 1,000 years before Jesus came. And now Mary is in on the mission that Jacob and his descendants and David and his descendants have been following, waiting for, hoping for, looking to. Mary is in on this mission to bring the Son of God into the world. Now, if you were Mary or I were Mary, I think we'd have some questions. Look what it says next. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? Mary's going, Lord, I think there's a part of this whole thing you have missed here. Never been with a man. How is this going to work? And you and I have our trillion objections, don't we? Lord, you're calling me to do what? Because I don't want to do that. Because I'm afraid. Because what if? And then I'll never. And then she will. And then then the money and the finances. And then what about the kids? And what about my future? And what if I miss that opportunity? And there's just so many objections, right? A few weeks ago, I was at doctor's office with Kelly. And the doctor knows Kelly and I very well. And the doctor knows that we're followers of Jesus. And so Kelly's laying on the table in the room there getting treated. And 
Suddenly, the doctor who had just been in the room with us left the room, went to another room, came back to our room, and he looked at me, and I was sitting there on my computer doing some work on church stuff, and I was pretty tired, honestly, that day, and I was just sort of like, I don't, even, I don't think I like shaved my beautiful head or anything. I just kind of had a hood up and just kind of wanted to be like a little incognito, and he just says, you feel like working? And I'm like looking back at this doctor, like, what does that mean? Like, you got a stethoscope, bro? You're going to hook me up? Like... And he goes, come here. And he takes me into another room. And there is lying on a table a patient. And he hands me a scalpel. No, I'm kidding. And he says, <laughs> he says, I was just talking with this patient here. And he started to talk about how fearful he's been. And he started to talk about how he's afraid he's going to hell because he's done some bad things in his life. And he says, do you mind talking to him? And I'm like incognito Doug here. I'm like with my wife. She's in the other room laying on the table. And I got my computer and I got stuff to do. And I look at this guy in the eyes and it's just like, what a crazy opportunity. And so we begin to talk. Doctor leaves the room. We begin to talk. We're talking back and forth, back and forth. He's sharing his fears. He's talking about. Next thing I know, he's praying to accept Jesus as his savior right there in the doctor's office. How crazy is that? But how cool is it that here is God delivering this man from fear of his eternity apart from Jesus and kicking my butt, get over your fear and your, your desire, just kind of sit back. I got a mission for you, Doug, and that had nothing to do with me. That could have been any one of you in that room that day praying with him. How powerful. God's always up to a mission. There's always something God's wanting to accomplish. Verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. A very big God has a very big plan. And listen, in your life and my life, he's got a very big plan. A very big God still has a huge plan and then he has a, an invitation out to you to, to walk with him. But he's wanting you to walk in that Christmas peace, not just terror and not fear. Don't just get through it. Don't just get past it. No, walk with me and allow me to provide some Christmas peace for you. The story keeps flowing into Joseph's perspective. Now, let's jump over to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. You can read this with me on the screen. You at home, check this out. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And every guy in the room goes, if that was my, my uh, fiance, there's no way I'm buying that she just became pregnant and God did this. And Joseph was no different than you. Look what it says in verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He 100% believes she cheated on him, obviously. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be what? Do not be afraid. There it is again. The first Christmas full of opportunity to let stress, terror, anxiety, all kinds of fears destroy what God was doing. Joseph was afraid. He was stressed. He was anxious. Think about it. He thinks his wife or his wife-to-be has cheated on him. He's thinking she's pregnant with another person's uh, child. She's th he's thinking, I don't want to raise this child, but God sent an angel to tell him, do not be afraid. Joseph, I've got some Christmas peace you. Look what it says next. Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We're going to dive into that sentence next Sunday. But here's what I think. You know, obviously we know God sent an angel I talked to Joseph here. I think if God were there himself, I think what he would say to Joseph goes something like this, not just do not be afraid, but, but can we take it a little further? I think maybe he would say, you, Joseph, you're afraid because you can't see my plan. And you're afraid because you can't see that my plan is bigger than your fear. And I, Joseph, am bigger than your fear. You've allowed the fear of the mission to become bigger than the God of the mission. Don't let your fear seem bigger than I am. I think if God could look you and I in the eye today, he'd say something very similar. Don't let the fear of the mission, don't let the fear of the world, don't let all the anxiety thrown at you and me become bigger than he is. Mary and Joseph were both troubled and anxious and stressed and troubled. And they both heard, do not be afraid. I'm telling you, you and I, troubled, anxious, stressed, afraid. I hope today you're hearing, do not be afraid. God sent us a message, everybody. He sent us a message through his word. He sent us a message through his son. And you know what the message is? My plans are bigger than your fear. I am bigger than your fear. If I could bring about the salvation of the human, ra- of the human race through a young pregnant woman and a suspicious fiance who were scared out of their minds, imagine what I can do in you. I believe God wants you and I to walk in some Christmas peace. Now here's the thing. Some of you guys are hearing, awesome, Doug, it's great. You're giving me some beautiful advice today. Do not be afraid. But how do I not be afraid? Like, that's great. You know, it's like when I was a kid and you'd fall down and you'd go run to your parents crying. This hurts. And they go, well, get over it. Well, cool, but it still hurts, you know? Like, thanks for the advice, Doug. Don't be afraid. But, but I'm still scared. I'm still anxious. I'm still troubled. I'm still worried. What do I do? Well, I think you and I have to learn how to fear something greater than our fear. I've got two fears in life. The first one is heights. The second one is snakes. I don't love heights, okay? If I'm up high, I'm okay, but I hate edges. Like, I can't handle Like, even this, I'm a little scared. I, I don't like the edge, all right? We went years ago on a mission trip to Belize, and the missionary there said, I want to take you to the Mayan ruins. And so we go to the Mayan ruins. I have a picture here. I don't know if this was the exact place we went, but it was something very similar. And you see how you can just climb those stairs? And can you see how there's no railings at the top? And so we're just out walking around the top of something very similar to that, if it wasn't that exact one, and there's no railings anywhere. Like, you could just kind of walk out the back of that, and there's just this nothing. It just ends like this. And there, you know, I think the missionary wanted a few less people to feed that night for dinner. And so he's like, go all the way back to the back side of the ruins. But I'll tell you what, there is something that will help me overcome my fear of heights. And it's snakes. I am so much more afraid of snakes than I am of heights. And so if I've got to climb that thing and get all the way up on the very top, I'll climb, I'll scale the whole thing as long as the snake won't get near me. So I fear something greater than my fear. My fear of snakes gets me over my fear of heights very quickly. You and I have to learn how to fear something greater than our fears. And I want to tweak the word fear and make it the word revere instead. We've got to revere something greater than our fear. The word revere means to be in awe of. It means to 
absolutely for you and I to have admiration for, there's something we have to be in awe of and have admiration for that's greater than all of our fears. And then we see in Psalm 112, I just want to take a couple minutes and look at a few verses in Psalm 112. Look at what it says in, in verse 1. It says, blessed are those who fear the Lord, who revere the Lord. Okay, now listen, there are a lot of things about God, if you only look at a few pieces of his character, to be terrified of. Like, God is scary if you only look at his holiness. You and I don't want any part of that. God is scary if you only look at his justice, the fact that he cannot wink at sin. He cannot turn his back and say, oh, let's just pretend that didn't happen. That's terrifying. God is really scary if you only look at his power, what he could do, what he could speak, and it suddenly happens, what he could you know, just tap with his finger and, and make possible. Like God is, I am afraid of that God, but I have to look at all of who God is, right? I'm not just going to look at a God who is powerful and just and holy. I'm also going to look at the fact that he is loving and gracious and merciful. And that's how fear can turn into revere. That's how I'm afraid of can become I'm in awe. And you and I, if we want to overcome the fear that this world is always throwing at us and the fear that you and I take and put in the fear platter and magnify it out, you and I have to learn how to revere the God who is greater than all that we fear. And the writer of Psalm 112 starts out that psalm by saying, blessed are those who fear the Lord or revere the Lord. And then he lists, it's a great psalm, you can read through it, all these blessings that come for those who revere or fear the Lord. But I want to just deal with a couple verses that have to deal with what we're talking about today, with fear, anxiety, worry, trouble. Verse 6, he says this, same chapter. Surely the righteous will never be shaken The Hebrew phrase here is that we will never be insecure, moved, or overthrown. Everybody, I feel like that has been the mission of the enemy the last 20 months. Overthrow us. Move us. Make us insecure. Shake us. But here we're seeing that those who revere the Lord, who is bigger than that fear, will not be shaken. Now, some of you guys are getting thrown by a word in there, and the word is righteous. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Some of you are arguing with me right now, Doug, I'm not righteous. You don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know what I did last month. I am not righteous. Guys, I, I say it, we say it here every single week, at every single service, at everything we do. Jesus makes us righteous. Jesus is our hope. There are people who've been coming to church for a long time who still are missing that truth. You're still trying to be a good person. You're still trying to figure out how to not be shaken based on your own works. You will always be shaken on your own works. So will I. But there's one who's come to make us righteous. That's the whole point of Jesus coming. That's the whole point of Christmas, Christmas, to make us right with God. So if you have a relationship with Jesus, that verse is talking about you. You are righteous and you will not be shaken as you revere the God who is greater than your fear. If you are not a follower of Jesus, that can be true of you in about 10 minutes. As we call on the name of the Lord today and ask for salvation and forgiveness and to be made righteous, we're going to do that together in just a few minutes. Then it goes on. They will be remembered forever. People who revere the Lord will be remembered forever. Now that's important because some of our greatest fears 
is that we will be forgotten. We will not be seen. We will not be uh, awarded or rewarded, right? We didn't get the, the great thing we were striving for. We had a dream as like a young adult. It never happened. Uh, we didn't write the book. We didn't get the book written about us. We didn't get the corner office. We didn't get the raise with the stock options. We didn't get all of the recognition that we thought we deserved. But the person who reveres our God will be remembered forever. By who? By the Lord. Remembered by the Lord. Some of you so need to know today that he sees you. He has not forgotten you. He remembers you. He knows your name. He knows what you're walking through. Do not let the fears of this world overshadow that. Guys, I am preaching to myself so bad today. I need this. So I bring this name up a lot. I'm not name dropping, it's just the only famous person I know. <laughs> and so when I was a kid, a lot of you guys know where I'm going with this. I, I knew Liberty DeVito's, uh, Liberty DeVito, who's Billy Joel's drummer, and he went to the same church, and I was a drummer, so I got to like learn from him, and it was incredible. And, and, and this illustration just needs a famous person, that's why I bring it up. So I, I get to go to like Nassau Coliseum, there's however many thousands of people in the building, and you know, I could let 20, 30,000 people have a say in, into my life. In that moment, right? I, I could let this guy's opinion, I'm, I, I stepped on his foot, he cursed me out, you know, uh, I spilled my soda on the person in front of me, and now they're mad at me. Like, I could, I could be completely destroyed by all the things thrown at me by all the 20, 30,000 people in that stadium. You think I care what any one of them thinks? Liberty DeVito knows my name. There's a backstage pass on my shirt. He's meeting me at the security gate. He's gonna go, hey, Doug, come on back and let's go talk with the rest of the band. You think I care about the 20 or 30,000 liberty remembered me? Guys, we so let the world throw at us all types of acclamation or lack thereof, and some of our greatest fears are wrapped up in that, that will be forgotten, that it won't matter, that our lives didn't count, I just love that those who revere the Lord will be remembered forever. And even if you got the acclamation, you got the corner office, you wrote the book, which those are all great things, go for it, right? As long as it's surrendered to the Lord and you're doing it to honor him, go for it. Be used, be blessed, that's awesome. But even if you got all of that, how long does it last? Have you ever had a situation where you did something kind of cool and it was celebrated for a little bit? How long did that last? I like turned from that way to this way and it was gone. Like, what, did, weren't you just saying something nice? Because now this guy's just cursing at me. Like, like, it's just gone. We will be remembered by the Lord forever. I want you to say that with me. I am remembered by God forever. Say that with me. I am remembered by God forever. Let's go on. This is my favorite part. I was stuck on verse 7 for several weeks of the last month. Ready for this? They will have no fear of bad news. I don't know about you guys, but the world I've been living in for the last 20 months, it feels like there is bad news arriving sometimes moment by moment, sometimes day by day. Bad news, bad news. Somebody else is going through something difficult. Somebody else is in the hospital. Somebody else is on a ventilator. Somebody else just passed away. Somebody else is wrestling and going through a divorce. Somebody else just lost a loved one. Somebody else's child is far. Somebody else, my own wife's health, my health, our finances, the church finances, the church, the building, the property, the right? It's just, I mean, it can feel so overwhelming. 
And this verse, when I read that, I just stopped, and I literally don't think I read another verse for like a few weeks. Don't think I'm not a, you know, a Christian or a good pastor. Sometimes God is going to give you a verse, and you just need to live on that thing for weeks. They will have no fear of bad news. Now, some of us are going, that's awesome. If I follow God and I revere him, no bad news will come. It's not what the verse says. You just won't fear the bad news. Can I be real with you? My makeup, the way God designed me, my personality, bad news can like pummel me to the ground in a half second. Like that's just the way I'm wired. Many of you guys are like, Doug, grow up. <laughs> that's just, that's, that's me, that's my makeup. I'm surrender, surrendering that to God. But bad news can just take me out, like takes the wind out of my sails, I'm flying high and then I'm just done. And God's teaching me, Doug, you don't have to judge every day if it was a good day or a bad day based on the news that came at you. They'll have no fear of bad news, which means I can come to church, I can go through my week, I can walk with my wife, we can go into doctors and we can hear bad news, we can hear good news, we can, right? we can do all of this knowing, okay, I don't have to be dictated by whether there's good news or bad news. Why? Because my heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Listen, I don't do that perfectly. I'm challenged with that at times. But here is an opportunity for you and I to say, Lord, whatever comes, we're gonna revere you as greater than it. And like I said last year, on this date, my, some of my worst fears came true. And I was taken to that hospital. I endured crazy stuff. And I'm not trying to complain. I'm just saying I had a lot to be fearful of. And there in that place, the peace of God would continue to flood me, meet with me, encourage me, strengthen me. And it was his grace that kept me. And it's his grace that will keep you. We so often magnify our fear. There is someone so much greater than our fear. Mary and Joseph got a message from an angel from heaven. Today you get a message from a ball guy from Smithtown. <laughs> but it's the same message. Do not be afraid. Walk in Christmas peace. How? Revere the God who is greater than all that I fear. But Doug, I, I don't know how to make that happen. I don't know how to make God bigger than my fear. Can I tell you some great news? I've actually been saying it through the whole message, but let me say it loud and clear right now. God is already greater than all that you fear. Your fears aren't actually bigger than he is. They just get magnified out and we believe the lie that they're bigger than he is. Your fears are already a million times smaller than God. And God is looking at the situations you and I are walking through and the missions that he's calling us to and saying, I have so much peace for you to walk in. And I think the key is we just have to get a clear view of this God. I promise you this. If you see God for who he is, you will not be owned by fear. And this is coming from somebody who's walked through a lot of fear. I've had a lot of fear thrown at me in this last season. I've actually been contacted by others who walked through some of what I went through in the hospital going, hey, are you feeling like sad and, and scared to death at times? Yeah. So I guess that's a part of this thing. Just had a nurse reach out to Kelly yesterday who walked through a lot that we went through in the hospital and said, is Doug experiencing X, Y, or Z? Because we're seeing a lot of the people that walk through what he went through experiencing those types of emotions right now. 
But if I can just get a clear view of my God, I'm going to revere him as so much greater. I'm going to see him as so much greater than all that I fear. So how do you get a clear view of God? I'll tell you one way. We've got to be reading the word of God. We have got to be opening up the scripture because when I open up the word of God, I see God. I see him for who he is. If you open up the word of God and you're bored or you're confused, we want to help with that. We want the Bible to be the most exciting book you read. We can help with that. Talk to us. Ask to meet with us. Ask to help so, so we can help you understand what it is to read the word of God. Some of you guys, man, you just got to get out, like, out on a walk in the forest and you're going to see God. You're going to be resized. Your problem is going to be resized. The, the fear is going to come out of the platter and you're going to see it for what it is. It's not going to be magnified anymore. Some of you guys, you just need to sit by a fire tonight and just look at that thing and stare into those flames. Some of you guys need to get with a group of friends and you need to get a guitar or a piano. And you just need to worship with a small group of friends and watch your, your, your problems be resized and your God be seen for who he is and how big he is. Some of you need to talk to a, a godly mentor or friend. Someone who can just look you in the eyes and say, I just see fear all over you and God wants to free you from that. Can we talk through this and, and can we work through this? I've been encouraged in all of those ways in this last season. Years ago, I, I stumbled across a place. I was making some really big decisions, some decisions I was afraid to make and, and think about. And, and so I, I needed to get along with God and I needed a clear view of him. And so I just drove out east to the North Fork of Long Island and I was just looking on Google Maps, and I was just looking for water, like just get me to water. And so I found just the most epic spot, which I'm not going to tell you where it is because it's my prayer place, okay? <laughs> but this is what it looks like. Here's a picture of my prayer place. And I tell you what, when I'm there and I'm looking at that, I get a clear view of my God. And I can remember his awesome power. And I can remember what he can do. And I can remember what I can't do. And my fears come down to the normal size again. And my God is seen as the huge, amazing, awesome, wonderful God who created that, like, just for that moment, by the way. In about 20 seconds, it wouldn't look like that anymore. And 20 seconds early, it would have looked a little different. And he's just continually creating and making, isn't he? Because that's the awesome God that we serve. I recently heard an acronym for stress. I want us to read through this. I want you to write this down. Take your phone out. If you're at home, type this out on your computer or write it on the napkin that has a little jelly on it from breakfast. But Deborah Pagay put this together. I think it's so good. You ready? S stands for seek God's guidance. When I'm stressed, I'm going to seek God's guidance. God, what do you have? Mary had a mission before her. So God, what are you saying? I'll tell you what, my greatest fears, I think I've shared this with you before, my greatest fears hit me at about 4.35, 36 in the morning. I'm unreasonable then, you know? You're in that half sleep. I can't fight like I normally would. And like like if, you, if the enemy threw the fears at me right now that he throws at me at 4.30 in the morning, I'd just be like, whatever. But at 4.30 in the morning, I feel like I'm gonna drown, you know? And so I have to seek God. It's God, what do you have for me right now? And at 4.30 in the morning, it's very clear what God has for me. You know what it is? Rest, <laughs> sleep, man. And so for you who are wrestling, maybe it's not in the morning, maybe it's during your day, or there's just this situation that is tearing you apart. God, what do you have for me? What are you trying to lead me to? I'm gonna seek you in this time. The T stands for trust what God tells you to do. Trust what God tells you to do. Mary's stressed out, Joseph's stressed out. He says, don't be afraid, I've got a plan. I'm gonna trust you, Lord. I'm gonna trust what you tell me to do. 
R stands for remember past victories. This is huge. I talk about this all the time. I've bored you to tears with this idea. Write down what God has done. Talk about it with somebody. Meditate on times he came through in the past. If you're afraid about finances, talk with somebody about the time God came through in the most ridiculous way for your finances. If you're afraid about losing somebody, you remember, wait, this is the God who has each life in our hands. I remember what he did to rescue that life, or I remember how he carried me through when I did lose a loved one. His grace was enough, right? Remember past victories. E, exalt God above the problems. I don't know if you noticed, but that's what we've been doing for the last 39 minutes and 36 seconds. Exalting God above the problems, remembering who he is and how big he is. The S, the, the first S here stands for solicit the prayers and support of others. Like I said, a, a trusted friend or a Christian counselor or somebody that can walk you through. It's so necessary. I need people in my life telling me the truth about God so badly. The last S, stand on the promises of God. Stand on the promises of God. He has promised to be with me. He's promised to get me through this. He's promised to walk with me. I'm going to be, okay. Now, here's the thing. I'm so glad many of you wrote that down. But don't worry if you, if you can't remember all that. At 4.30 in the morning, I remember the first two or three. And that's about enough to get me back to sleep. And then during the day when I can remember the whole stress acronym, forget it, man. I can walk in the peace that God has for me. You want to talk about seeing God clearly? Let me close with this. Wednesday, Pastor Ravon comes in the staff meeting. We're talking about the building. We're talking about money, man. We, like in the last two years, construction prices go through the roof right at the time we need them to stay low. Um, everything goes nuts. Manufacturers are short. Uh, people to work, there's a hard time getting the right people, right? Like it's just everything seemingly going in the wrong direction. We have all this money to raise. And we talk a lot. We talk every single week about all of it. And pastor sits down in our staff meeting Wednesday and says, guys, I really feel like we need to talk about the fact that God is going to do this. We've got to raise our expectation. We've got to raise our faith. We've got to stop giving in to the fears that this is never going to happen. And, and we got the properties and that cool, but, but now what? We've got to believe and we've got to pray. And, and we went into a time of bold prayer and expectation that God would show up. And he'd start to just show us the impossible. The next day, I have lunch with a friend. This friend comes to our church. He's been here probably 12 years of his life, an amazing member of our church. We're eating. He hands me an envelope. He says, this is for the building. I open up the envelope, a check for $450,000. Yeah. This is a God who looks at our fears who looks at all the magnified what-ifs and says, I have a plan. I have a mission. I'm a provider. I'm going to come through. We have a long way to go. We got a lot of money still to raise, but this is a God who just reminded us in about a half second time, as it, time it took me to open that envelope, I've got you guys. I've got Living Word Church. I'm going to provide. We're going to see that property built. We're going to be a light, a city on a hill and hop hog and beyond and see the Lord do his thing. Some of us need to bring situations like that to the Lord. God, what do you have? I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to bring this to you. But, but I'm telling you, as long as we allow all the fear that the world throws at us to be bigger than our God, we're going to be a slave to that fear. And man, God just has so much better for us. 
There's one last objection some of you guys are thinking about, but Doug, what about death itself? What about the fear of losing my life? And I'll just go back to a year ago, and I'll just say, which I've said before from this very stage, that when I was right there, when I was at the point where I could have very likely died, Kelly said she recently uh, saw an interview of one of the doctors, and, and the doctor talked about how it was rapidly approaching 0% of survival. And I can just tell you that from that place, when I was there and could have gone, that there was peace. There was the peace of God, because I know I'm his. I know I'm made righteous because of what Jesus did for me. I know I belong to the Lord. I know I'd be in heaven. I know I will be in heaven. I can't wait to get to heaven. I'm looking forward to being with my Savior. I'm glad I'm here now because I think there's a lot more mission God has for us to accomplish together, but I look forward to that day because I know who my Savior is and what he's done for me. So, will you bring your fears? Will you, will you take them out of the, the Christmas uh, fear platter Will you take them out and say, all right, Lord, I want to see these for what they are, and I'm only going to see them for what they are when I revere the God who's greater than my fear. And the way I revere the God who's greater than my fear is I, I get the clear view of him. I see him for who he is. And if you and I do, then man, we're going to be on God's mission. We will never be shaken. We'll be remembered forever by the Lord. No fear of bad news. Our hearts steadfast walking in Christmas peace. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want peace with God, and I'd love for you to pray with me. Jesus died to give you and I not just daily peace, but peace with God. That God who is all-powerful and just is also loving and merciful and gracious. And he wants you and I to know the peace of knowing he is our Savior and our sins have been forgiven. If you want to put your trust in him, I'd love for you to pray with me now. But if I could just say one last time, do not be afraid. Walk in Christmas peace. Revere the God who is greater in all that you fear. I pray that everything I've said today has come out in love and humility because this is one of my battles right now. If you're walking through a season of anxiety and stress and fear being thrown at you, I'm walking with you. Even better, God is walking with you. Let's revere the God who's greater than all that we fear. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, for what you've done and your faithfulness. God, you are good and we need you, Lord. And God, we cry out to you at a time when our nation, our world is so scary. But we thank you that you've come to overcome the world. You've, you, you came to give us peace in the midst of all that we've walked through, God. And God, fear, the bad news will keep coming, but thank you that we don't have to fear it. Thank you, God, that our hearts can be secure and trusting in you. And Lord, I just pray, God, for all of us who are walking through this unprecedented season of fear in our world, God, that we would have peace as we see you for who you are. So if you're a follower of Jesus, can you pray with me a couple things? First off, can you just say, God, help me to see my fears for what they are. Help me to see them not as a billion times bigger, but for what they actually are. And God, even more importantly, let me see you for who you are. Give me a clear view of you. God, take me deep in your word. Every Christian, pray, pray this along with me. Take me deep in your word, Lord. God, let me see you in nature. Let me see you in answered prayer. Let me feel your presence in worship. Let me hear your voice through a trusted friend. Give me a clear view of you, God. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in him, I encourage you to pray with me now. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. You came, you were on a mission to rescue humanity from our sin. Thank you for this gift. Show me how real you are. Give me a clear view of you, Lord. 
And I thank you that you are so much bigger than all that I fear. And I thank you for the gift of salvation and peace. In your name I pray.